right, you guys. It's me, Lauren, and this is Run That Ish Back. We are now on episode three. Um, I don't really have a title for this episode yet, but as I get to talking, maybe something will come to mind. Um, so I've decided that I really want to break my podcast up into segments. So I'm going to do this episode similarly to like how I plan to do the rest of my episodes. Um, the segments are always going to include like pop culture or politics, um, maybe gems from Lauren, like my thoughts on things or things that I think you should be doing. But remember, I don't give advice. I'm no professional, <laughs> so you have the right to choose not to listen to me. Um, also, like stuff that I think black people should just know or, you know, black people, are you listening? Turn the mic up. <laughs> so do you hear this? This is what you need to know so you can move forward. Um, so that's what I'm going to be doing, uh, hopefully for this episode and future episodes. Um, so I really could not start this episode without really talking about something that's like been laying on my heart or been on my mind because I think sometimes people have it confused and I just wanted to like shed my point of view on it. So like the discussion of like support. And support can look so many ways. So support can be like supporting you as a person, supporting you with your business, supporting you at work, supporting you in any type of way. Now, at 29, I've learned that like support just looks different for people. Like how I support others may not be the way that people like to be supported or how people think I want to be supported may not be doing nothing for me. So support looks very differently. But I think the biggest thing I wanna talk about is like, People suffer with this belief that like your friends and family have to support your endeavors or your businesses or your ideas or your anything that you want to do for yourself. And in many ways, like sometimes people think, oh, naturally people will just want to support me. People want to see me doing well. People are going to buy my sweatshirts. People are going to like listen to my podcast or whatever you're doing. People are going to support me going to school. And you kind of determine the quality of your friends by the type of support they give you. And I think, I don't want to say I think, I feel and I know, but we all know that I believe feelings are facts. So in my opinion, <laughs> I believe that like, just because your friends or family don't support you by buying your sweatshirts doesn't mean that they don't support you. And what I mean by that is like, everything that you sell or do is not gonna be someone else's like cup of tea or even what they're interested in. And just because they choose not to support it does not make them a bad friend. Doesn't even really, you know, should be something that you look at them differently about. Because at the end of the day, if you're doing something, you should be doing it for yourself and not because like you want the support of others. Like support is nice and everything, but like I started this podcast for my own self and it was like a way of being accountable and just basically like doing something that I said I wanted to do without fear that it would fail. And I know sometimes people have reached out to me like, oh, I'm listening, you know, it sounds good. This is what you should do. And I love it and I appreciate it. But like, I also have like some friends that haven't really like reached out 
or like reposted anything. And honestly, it doesn't bother me at all. And the reason it doesn't bother me is because at the end of the day, I know like where my friendships stand and where they lie. Like all of my friends don't listen to podcasts. Like listening to someone talk might be too much. All my friends may not have time. Um, it's also like a situation where they might just be like, Lauren, I don't feel like doing this. And that's their choice. But I see sometimes on Instagram and like Facebook where people are like, talking shit about their friends all because they don't want to support. And support looks very different. Support can be happening without you even seeing it. Some of my friends could be very well supporting me without me knowing it by just telling people to listen by word of mouth or telling their friends through text messages. And I think the problem with the age of technology and like um, social media is that we really fail to understand that life exists outside of these apps. So things are happening for people outside of these apps. And just because you don't see it on the app does not mean it's happening. And I think another thing people don't understand is like, you should be doing what you're doing for yourself. Support is going to come if what you're doing is authentic. Support is going to come from different people that may not even know you. And you're sitting here tripping and judging your friends because they haven't necessarily shown up for you the way that you want them to show up for you. And it's like they still have a choice. Like, for instance, like, I'm not necessarily like let's say a vegan and I may have friends that are supporting vegan products and I'm just like okay I see what they're doing I might congratulate them but I'm not necessarily like purchasing anything from them but that doesn't make me a bad friend because at the end of the day it's my choice to do that now is it great to have friends that repost you and buy all your products yeah, some people are just like that. But then also you have to respect your friends that are just like, that's not what I want to do. And I think sometimes we are in this little cancel uh, movement of life where if people don't do what we want them to do, we say that they're not our friends and we cancel them out. And I'm at 29. I'm not going to get too many more real friends or friends in my lifetime. So, like, you have to be careful with those type of things because I've made that mistake before, too, even being younger, like in my earlier 20s, where, like, if my friends were you know, cheering me on or like telling me everything I was doing was right. I sometimes felt like they weren't my friends or they weren't really doing what I, will, what I would do for them. And to be honest with you, like what you would do for others ain't what people would do for you. And it's a situation where like you can't consistently judge people based on like these beliefs. You just have to just take it as it is. Like right now, you know, my podcast is nowhere where I want it to be, but what I'm doing every day is, like, showing up for myself. Like, Lauren Lee is going to support Lauren Lee regardless. And, like, you have to just show up for yourself. And I believe that my friends are supporting me, and I believe that if, like, I reached out to some of my friends for support, they would give it to me. But I'm also not judging people or canceling people out because their support doesn't look like what I would do as support. Because it's probably been multiple times where I've overlooked things that they have been trying to do or they have been taken seriously and they haven't canceled me. So I think all that I'm trying to say is that like support is not a mandate. Support is an option. And if anything, if you're doing something, you should be doing it because it's important to you and you want to be authentic. And like my grandmother says this all the time of my mother, like what's for you is for you. No one can stop it. No one can get in the way of it. No one can um, take it away from you. So like if what you're doing is supposed to be great, your one friend not reposting your post isn't necessarily going to stop you from being great. Now, if it's really bothering you to the point where like you're like, oh, why are you not showing up for me? Sit down and have a conversation with your friend. And if they're just like, oh, well, you know, maybe I didn't see it or I didn't think it was a big deal, express to them that it's a big deal to you. Or 
it's just like, oh, well, I don't really want to repost because I'm not really feeling it. You got to accept that. But I think it's just, you know, we can't get into this space and time, especially after a year like 2020, to be like canceling people out or deciding that you don't want to be friends with people anymore just because, you know, they're not basically, in many words, doing what you want them to do. People have options. People have choices. In the same way you live your life based on your terms, people are doing the same thing. So, yeah, please don't be trying to cancel your friends because they're not supporting you the way that you want them to support you. If anything, have a conversation. And most of all, support your damn self. Support yourself like no one else. No one else is going to show up for Lauren Lee more than Lauren Lee is going to show up for her. All right? So I think that's, that's what we can say. That's a gem from Lauren. That's a gem. You know, support is an option. It ain't mandated. <laughs> people support people differently. And you just have to accept that about life. I think something else that is like a gem for me is that, you know, it's January. We just got out of the Thanksgiving and December Christmas holidays, and we're about to jump into this very big holiday, Valentine's Day, that, you know, people take so seriously. <laughs> Shit, I haven't had a Valentine's in over five years, but that's another conversation. <laughs> Get yourself together. Bring yourself back. But it's like, um, I think... Like, this is a season where people stay in relationships or situationships longer than what they're supposed to do because they just don't want to be alone for the holidays or they're trying to get some big gift that they <laughs> almost more times than not get what they expected. Um, you get more than what you really wanted. And what I mean by that, it's like you get more problems than you do blessings. And I think, like... Some of the people that I'm around, I realize that a lot of these people are like in situationships. Like, you don't really like this person or this person is convenient and you just decided that you're going to make it work. And I just think it's dangerous. I just, you know, I've done it before. I've stayed in situations longer than what I was supposed to because I just wanted to be in a relationship or I was hoping that I can change someone. And this is what I've learned. Because let me tell you, this is what I've learned. Now, let me be honest with you. I have two children, <laughs> and I've learned um, a lot of things about myself in these situations. Because let me tell you something. Men, and let me be honest with you, niggas or partners, whatever they say in the beginning is what they firmly believe. And I don't know why women um, in general think that we can change people's mindset, because I think that's dangerous. So let me give you a hypothetical. You meet this man, he says that he doesn't want to take anything serious, but you still are interested in him. So you think that if you all keep going out dating, he's going to start feeling you the same way that you feel him, and you're going to make him take you serious, and y'all going to end up married. Let me explain something to you. Why the fuck would you want to have to like make someone want to choose you? Let that sit and simmer on you. Why would you want to have to force someone to want to spend their time with you? And I think sometimes when I sit back in these situations and I think about who I was in college, who I was right out of college, maybe who I was like two years ago, let's be honest, who I was maybe 10 months ago <laughs> or maybe a year ago when I was finding out I was about to have Nuri. It's like, it's a situation where like you sit back and you're just like, I was a fucking fool. Because one thing about men, men are consistent and men do not change for anyone. Whatever a man says out of their mouth, that is what they believe and they are not going to change. Now you might get like these one in a million men that change and they grow and they develop. Yes. But let me tell you something. I'm not trying to work for a man like I'm working for my PhD. It's not what I'm interested in. I'm not trying to build a man up. Come to me already build up. I'm not trying to 
you know, get a partner to believe that I'm worthy, you better know I'm worthy from the jump street. And I think sometimes we entertain situationships because one, we're insecure. We don't really believe that we deserve what we actually want. And then I think even bigger than that, we don't really know what we want. We're just jumping into different things just so we don't feel lonely. And And it's just dangerous. Like we really need to get intentional about like what we're doing and who we want to be with and like really getting to know ourselves to know what we want and what we're willing to tolerate. Because situationships can turn into can turn into very dangerous things. I was in a situ, situationships for almost ten years, and like when I look at what I read, it's like, girl, you should have let this go a long time ago, because like this nigga has been exactly who he was his whole life, and you keep thinking that oh, it's going to change, he's going to want you, and he's not. He's not. Because let me tell you what happens. They find someone exactly who they want, and they give that person exactly everything that you wanted. And you've been working hard as hell for a man or a woman that don't even want you. Like, that's what you got to remember in your soul. Like, you don't have to really work hard for much of anything in a relationship if it's for you. Meaning, like, when you get in a relationship, yes, it takes work to keep it strong, to, you know, communicate, to respect each other, to really speak each other's languages. But you shouldn't have to be working all that hard before you even get a paycheck. So it's similar to this. Like, many of us are doing pre-work when we haven't even been called in for an interview. Let that sit with you. Just imagine that, like, for almost every job you apply for, and indeed, each of them asks you to do a task just for you to submit your application. And you're doing all this work, and then you come to find out that you're not even getting a call back for an interview. How dumb does that look? And that's, like, what we're doing in relationships. We haven't even been called in for an interview to be a girlfriend, to be a boyfriend. We have just been doing all this work and efforts to get that phone call. And it's like, for what? If you don't do all this work, let it be self-work, where you can be entertaining multiple people at one time, looking for multiple phone calls from multiple people, instead of just trying to do all this work for one person. Like, y'all got to get out of these situationships. Like, if you really want a gift, get yourself a damn gift. Mail it to yourself. For anything, my father has been my Valentine's for the last 29 years. Every year, like clockwork, he sends me candy or flowers, or he calls me or sends me a card. Now, is it everything that I wanted for Valentine's Day? No, but you can't let one day out of the year get you bent out of shape where you're willing to stay in situations longer than you have needed to. I think a bigger uh, picture of situationships is like trying to make it work for your kid. Um, I have made that mistake where like you just be thinking, I've just been thinking that, oh, you know, I grew up in a two-parent home. I don't want my child not to grow up in a two-parent home. So you you try to make things work. You try, you know, you try to believe that, oh, things are going to get better. And ultimately, the, the, the biggest thing that you can do for your child is to be two healthy adults, single or together, for your child. Don't be trying to make a situation work for you when you're in a toxic relationship and bringing a child in that. And then a child has to be exposed to the shit that you didn't want to address your damn self. That's what you can't be doing. You have to, like, really... Figure out what is for you. Get yourself out of these situationships, and you'll be amazed at the type of options you get once you really do the work and you let dead weight go. So, like, what we're not about to do is stay with people longer than what we need to just because a holiday is coming up. Valentine's Day is one day. And let me tell you what can happen in a matter of 10 months. Uh, I mean, 10 minutes. (laughs) Something within 10 minutes or less can be a whole lifetime of commitment with a person that you barely even want to spend an hour with. Let it resonate. 
Like, you can say that you want a Valentine's Day so damn bad, you end up making a mistake, and then you got to deal with that motherfucker for 18-plus years because now you're pregnant and you decided that you want to keep the job. That's what you got to look at it. Or you can decide that you want to end up marrying this person and you could be miserable for multiple periods of time because you just found out that this person ain't who you thought they were. And mind you, they've been the same person from the very beginning. So I think the gems that I have right now is, um, one, support is not mandated. It is optional. Two, situationships. Don't do pre-work when you're just filling out applications. And lastly, don't make Valentine's Day such a big deal that you end up making mistakes that you got to live with longer than Valentine's Day. All right? Y'all understand? Do you need me to run that back? Press rewind. Hear it again. Think about it, because we've all been that foolish person once before. Um, let's talk about pop culture. What's going on in pop culture? So let me explain something to y'all. I'm on Instagram, but I don't follow the shade room because the shade room gives me anxiety. It gives me anxiety just like um, Real Housewives or what's that, Love and Hip Hop stuff. It just gives me anxiety. I can't do these little shows because I'm just like, I don't think real humans act like this as adults, but clearly people do anything for a dollar. But yeah, it gives me anxiety. But what I notice sometimes is that some of these little, the shade room topics end up on my regular timeline by people because they end up talking about them. One of the ones that stood out to me the most is this Meg the Stallion thing. Let me explain something to y'all for the men and mainly for the women. I don't care what Meg Stallion did I'm just going to support her because she's a black woman, and she's a black woman that says that she has just been abused by a man. I don't need to hear her rationale for wanting to press charges. I don't need to hear her rationale for what led up to the event or why she decided to do what she wanted to do, um, or even why she decided that she wanted to talk to Tory Lanez, because he looks like a, um, a leprechaun to me, a gremlin. Um, but it's a situation where like we have to really realize that like supporting black women is really just what it is, supporting black women. You cannot say that you support black women, but then say that certain black women don't fall into the category of needing support. So you cannot, and what I mean by that is like, you can't say that Mel, Meg the Stallion deserves what she got because she decided to be with a man like Tory Lanez. I don't give a fuck if I decided to be with Ike Turner. I still don't deserve to get my ass whooped. And I think, like, it's a bigger issue with especially black women. Black women be really picking and choosing who's deserving of, like, praise and protection. And I think that's dangerous and toxic as fuck. Like, if you're going to say that you support the safety and the wellness of all black women, everyone that is black and everyone that is woman falls into that category. Or everyone that sees themselves as a woman falls in that category. You can't begin to pick and choose to say who you want to support because you don't because you don't think like they're worthy. Because I think like right then and there, it's like you have a problem with yourself. Because all of us have made mistakes and, I, and it would be a scary place where I'm only judged for my mistakes and not the things that I've done well or the things that make me human. Like black women I've seen the most is that they're the most that are really like digging into Meg about, oh, you dropped the charges. Oh, but you did all of this. If she chooses to drop the charges, that's her fucking choice. I'm still going to support her safety because at the end of the day, no one, especially a man, has the right to be putting their fucking hands on another woman, let alone shooting a woman in their foot. But then when it's you in a toxic relationship and your man is putting their hands on you, 
You want everybody to support you, but it can be each way or another way or other way. Supporting all women means that you support all of them. It doesn't matter what they do, what, what they do for a living, who they decide to talk to, what they decide to do with their money, what they decide to do with their bodies. If they decide to shake their ass for 50 cents, that's their choice. If they try to decide to shake their ass for $100, that's their choice. Similar to what I was talking about last episode about with Lori Harvey. We can't pick and choose who falls in the category of who we support. If you're going to support black women, I don't give a fuck what they're doing. I'm going to support them regardless. And I think that's what we really have to start doing and stop really pointing the finger and trying to be Olivia Benson and trying to figure out if they deserve uh, protection or not. And all the black women are saying, but it's more to the story. You should really be looking at yourself and thinking about who decided not to love you as a child for you to be then saying that this woman doesn't deserve love or doesn't deserve protection. And I think this situation, I'm not going to get into it too much because this could be an episode in itself. But black women, y'all got to start protecting other black women. Because right, what I see a lot of time is that black women be giving black women the most strife. It's not even the men for real. It's the women. You, you, we've all made mistakes. We all haven't made the best of decisions in our life, but we can't then decide who's worthy to make mistakes and who's not worthy to make mistakes. And when we do make mistakes, we're going to look the other way because that's not nice. That's it's problematic as fuck, and you got to do better. So I'm going to move on. Even when we're talking about protecting all black women, let's talk about Chloe. Um, Chloe with the sister. Um, with the dreads, um, that sings the nice little songs that's on Grownish, and that's how I'm gonna describe her. Chloe. Chloe has grown the fuck up. I find myself very often talking with my friends about how, like, she has really come into her sexuality. Because you can even tell about how she sings, how she performs. Like, she's really feeling herself. And let me tell you, she should feel herself because that body is everything. And that voice is heavenly. <laughs> and those dreads or locks always look on point. And I think she's making a lot of money by doing grownish because, like, she's funny on the show. So she should be feeling herself. She should be coming to her sexuality. But the reason I'm talking about her is because she did the busted challenge. And if you have seen Chloe's body, you know damn well that she has a lot to show. And I think that little um, TikTok challenge really showed how she has really grown up. Like, she has her own Instagram now. You know, she wasn't with her sister. She did the video, and I'm just like, the girl looks good. <laughs> and the girl is walking around with a wagon, <laughs> and she's fit. Flat tummy, <laughs> fat ass, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, I see you. She has those young knees because she was able to hold herself up. She was able to dance, and I'm all for it. Like, I'm just like, I remember when I used to see her on YouTube singing Beyonce songs, and now she's grown. <laughs> and if this doesn't make me feel old, I don't know what else does. But she's really come up, and I'm just like... Um, this is another black woman that we have to protect because, you know, people like to say, oh, she's being too sexual. What the fuck is too sexual? It's her body. If she decides to sell sex, let her sell sex. You can't even watch a commercial on TV without a reference to sex or alluding to sex. So I'm all here for Chloe growing up. I'm all here for her really doing her damn thing in her career. She, both for her and her sister are up for a Grammy. The girl is beautiful. Like I said before, she's acting also. And I'm just like, yeah, she can do it. She looks good. Now, let me tell y'all, my energy, if you haven't realized, has just come down. Because we waited over a month for this uh, Lord versus battle. And let me just say, I was not pleased. 
I just was not pleased. It reminded me of like days when I used to go to like day parties or to the club and like how if someone says something starts at eight, I'm not showing up to a good 945. Because when you show up on time for black events, you end up helping, putting out chairs, making foods and shit. And black events are never on time. And I think what really rubs me the wrong way is that when I think about it, we had to wait all this time for this. Like it just, and it kind of gave me like the Brandy and Monica vibes. Not that Ashanti and Keisha had an issue with each other, but, like, the energy wasn't right. Like, I didn't get the same energy, like, with um, Auntie Patty and Auntie Gladys. Like, they just didn't really seem as happy being with each other, and it just really didn't do anything for me. It was just very much so, like, mmm. Like, yeah, I heard a few hits by Ashanti and Keisha that reminded me of, like, my younger days. I was like, oh, I used to love this song, but it just, it just didn't do anything for me. After they took that break, it just went downhill. Some of these songs I had never even heard by Keisha. Also, it was like, all these slow damn songs, can we get some energy? Keisha, I don't know what's going on with that voice. She was trying to sing. She didn't know the words. Also, like, it just wasn't, it wasn't flowing. Like, it just, it wasn't doing nothing. But what I can say about Keisha is that whatever tape that she had on that corset, <laughs> it was a godly tape because, like, I thought something was going to pop out, but nothing ever popped out. So, you know, shout out to her stylist for that. But her voice, like, someone needs to get her back into some training sessions, especially if she's coming out with another album. But, you know, if you know anything about Keisha, I think Keisha has never been a performer. She even on like the BT awards and stuff, she never really sound that good. So maybe she's just a studio singer. I don't know. But I just wasn't feeling it. And even like Ashanti, like on her phone, the energy wasn't there. And I think sometimes the energy wasn't there because one, because they weren't together, they couldn't see each other. And I get it, COVID. The girl that had COVID, so ain't nobody trying to get COVID. But the energy just wasn't there for me. I was just like, oh, like I waited for this. I was so excited for it back in 2020 and now we're in 2021 and I'm just like can we move along and I watched the whole thing and I was just like this is not this is not it but one thing I can say it looks beautiful um (laughs) Apple Swiss Beats um you know they came together because the internet quality was everything I was just like oh it looks really smooth it looks beautiful um but it just it just wasn't Mm-mm. Like, if they got to do verses like this during the future, just let people do it from home. I don't know. But the energy wasn't for me. I just didn't like it. But one thing I did like is when uh, Ashanti kind of checked Keisha. Like, Keisha had played her 11th song before they went on break. And so Keisha thought she was going to play it again. And Ashanti was like, no, you're not. So we're moving on. And I was like, okay, bitch. <laughs> I ain't never seen you this aggressive. Um, but I was like, all right. <laughs> Maybe you should be this aggressive about your career, but all right. That's another comment. Um, but even Ashanti, even when she was singing, I, let me explain something to y'all. I love Whitney Houston. And if Whitney Houston wasn't making all those faces, or Mariah Carey isn't making all those faces, or Ariana Grande isn't making all those faces when they're singing, I can't understand why singing like Ashanti is making all those faces. What note do you hear yourself hitting in your head? Because it's not that high. 
Like, it's just not. Like, I could understand why, like, Keisha might be out of breath because she was singing ballads. But Ashanti, like, you have been singing in the same register, like, your whole career. And what I found out yesterday when watching Versus, like, I thought Ashanti started uh, out as, like, a teenager. Ashanti is 40 years old. So that means when she started in 2002... Like, 19 years ago, she was a full-blown adult, and I feel baffled because I did not know that. I thought she was a teenager. One thing about both of them, their genetics are good. They both look beautiful to be 39 and 40. And let me just take out 2B. They are beautiful, but they look really good to be 39 and 40. Those moisturizers are in, you know... <laughs> they're working their magic and you know both of them reminded me especially Ashanti that I need to continue with my Apple Fitness workouts um it was just everything. Also, I think another compliment I have for them, you know, those little wigs and weaves were, you know, laid to the gods. Now, I was like, oh, this straight black, this looks really good. So, yeah, they looked pleasant. Um, mm, mm, let me get it together. Let me stop sounding like a fool. They looked pleasant to the eyes, but the whole thing just, it just didn't do anything for me. I had so much more expectations and joy centered around this only to find out that I was let down. Another letdown I have is Regine Carter. So, if you know, Regine Carter is uh, dating YF Lucci, and he's now in jail in Atlanta facing murder charges for a man dying after being shot in the face. And I'm not going to really go into his whole charges and stuff because that really doesn't matter to me. I think Regine like many of us, has this phase where, like, we date the bad boy and we're just intrigued with the bad boy. I get that. But Regine is very much so, like, giving me these Monica vibes, too, to bring a Monica. Like, riding for a man to the end, to the point where he about to go to jail, possibly, for a murder charge. And I'm just like, that's not the type of riding I want to do. Especially not at that age. I think she's like 21, 22. And it's like, that's not what I would be want to be doing at that time. Like, I would have to let him go. But for some reason, you know, she's still supporting him, saying that he'll be home soon. I don't know what soon means, but it can't be the Webster definition. You know, he's still trying to get out because he says that he supports his mother and his children. And I'm just like, sir, you're down for murder. Unless you got some, you know, lawyer like Johnny Cochran. Um, I don't really know that how that's going to work for you, but you know, that's none of my business. But yeah, I'm just like, Regine, you're just too young to be having to deal with this much stuff for a man that is just not about shit. Like the man has three children. I can't name you, not one of his songs right now. And I'm like, you don't have to be dating no man like this. But at the end of the day, it's her choice. But I still feel like Toya has kind of, like, warned her or told her not to do it or to walk away. Because, you know, Toya had her own incidents with, like, um, Mickey and uh, Little Wayne. So she has a life of experience. So she's trying to tell her. But Regine, just like many of us, like me, you got to learn on your own. But, like, I really just want her to, like, get out of the situation and live her life. You shouldn't be in your 20s trying to figure out how you're going to be with a man that is possibly going to be in jail for some time because he's doing some time for murder. You don't have to deal with all that. If you choose to deal with it, it's your choice. But I'm still like, you just, you just don't have to deal with all of that. That's not... <laughs> No, <laughs> Mm-mm. that's not what you have to do with. And I hope like my daughter won't 
have to deal with the things that I decided to do just by me telling her my own experiences. And I think I could just picture just from what I see from TV shows and see from social media, we all know that that's like a you know, like a veil, like you don't really know what's behind on the other side. But I think like Toya is really telling her that she should let it go. She should move on. But Reginae's going to do what she want to do regardless. And that's the age she's in. But it's also like, girl, mm-mm, mm-mm. Y'all could be pen pals, but y'all don't have to be in a relationship with each other. Not with him about going up against murder. That's not what we're going to do. Now on another area of joy, and when I say joy, I mean joy, um, an area of light, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, see, I gave y'all another uh, little singing voice right there. Um, the inauguration. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was funny. And I think what I might need to uh, name this episode is <laughs> black people, we going to laugh. <laughs> we going to find joy. <laughs> <laughs> Black people are going to find joy. And let me tell you, you know, after the Capitol event, I was someone that was like, you know, the inauguration might be another Hunger Games out this bitch. <laughs> These white people might have some tricks up their sleeves, especially when, you know, Donald Duck um, was saying that, you know, he wasn't going to be in attendance. I was like, oh, if he's not going to be in attendance, this shit really might be about to, you know, they might be about to set it off. But, you know. Luckily, praise God, nothing happened. Um, nothing crazy. But I want to talk about the inauguration of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Now I have realized how to pronounce it. It's just like Pamela, but with a K. Kamala. All right. So we cannot begin to talk about the inauguration without talking about um, the queen. The queen, and when I say the queen, I mean Shelly Shell, <laughs> Michelle Obama, Southside, um, Michelle Obama, beautiful. Like, I'm telling you, Michelle Obama can't really do much wrong, but she came ready um, at the inauguration. There was a whole hashtag for her, like laid, hashtag laid. And let me tell you, that hair was laid. Uh, the wind didn't move it out of place, but it was still able to move as she walked. And if you've been like a black woman that has uh, gotten a weave or if you've dated someone of black descent with a weave, you know that's a blessing. You want your hair um, to move when you, when you move, but you don't want it to move out of place. And the fact that she was able to be outside on a windy January morning and nothing to move out of place, but still able to move as she was walking down those steps, <laughs> Give that hairstylist all the flowers. <laughs> I probably can't afford, you know, what you're, you're trying to sell, but I will still support you. And I also don't have enough hair right now to get anything. But it's just like her hair was beautiful. Those curls, um, they were just lined up. She had leave out, and the leave out was blended well. Because, you know, sometimes Michelle does, like, her little closure or her little wig. But she had her leave out ready that day. And I think we can't talk about how well Michelle Obama looked um, in 2021 without talking about, you know, the slick back bun she gave Trump when he came into office. And if you can't say that was intentional, I want you to know that it is intentional. She didn't give him nothing. She gave him the type of ponytail you put in your hair a few, like the Thursday before you have your Saturday hair appointment or when you're about to just run to the grocery store and you're of a 40 old 40 or older age and you can't really be, you know, having your hair up in a high ponytail. 
she gave him that slick back, I got to usher Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> uh, slick back bun. Or she gave him that slick back bun like, you know, I have to uh, do communion at the church. Yeah, or I'm in the military. That's what she gave him. She didn't give him any smiles that day. But then when you talk about the transition when Biden came into office, she gave Biden everything. And I think you gotta, um, you have to realize that it was intentional. You have to realize that Michelle didn't give a fuck about any of those Trumps. She didn't even smile. She really didn't want to shake any hands. But you know, as a black woman, she had to because if Michelle didn't smile, if she didn't shake hands, or <laughs> let me tell you, if she didn't show up for the inauguration, she would have been hanged in the. Um, in the news, but you know, Donald Trump can do it, but he's white, so, <laughs> but I can say it was a compliment that he didn't show up, but you know, I don't think anybody was complaining or asking where he was, but yeah, I think Michelle Obama's hair represented freedom, like, um, I'm gonna put it, when he got, when Trump got into office, she was basically, I'm gonna slick it back, as slick as I can, because I'm in bondage, but then when Biden got in office, she was like, I'm gonna let it hang out, because I'm free, this is a celebration. And I think that's what the inauguration was. It was a celebration. But before we get to like the celebration part, we still got to talk about Donald Duck. But let me tell you who I want to talk about first. <laughs> Mrs. Trump. Y'all can say whatever y'all want to say about her. She still speeches. She barely speaks English. <laughs> she doesn't fuck with Trump. And I, I respect her for that. But that... Um, Dressed in all black like the omen, <laughs> she was ready. Her going away look was everything. Now, did she look like she was ready... Um, to show up for a funeral, yes, because most likely, I hope, if anything, she's um, she's uh, bringing death to her and uh, Trump's relationship. Like in that crocodile purse that she had, I hope she had the divorce papers ready or like some separation papers, because you know, I don't think they've really been living together. And she probably just was with Trump for a come up, because my God, as wide as he is, I don't see why anyone like her would be with him. But that's not, neither here or there. The woman was dressed well. She looks nice. I was like, oh, this is nice. Like the little, the skirt, um, the, the heels, the purse, the hair pulled back. I was like, oh, this is a look. This is a going away look. Um, and yeah, but what I also want to talk about is how she got in Florida in a new outfit. And uh, Trump stopped to take pictures and she kept walking. She was like, I have fulfilled my contract, signed my check, give me my money so I can be on my way. I don't have to do this no more. The last time I had to do this when we were getting on the plane, leaving um, DC, but we're in Florida now. I'm free now. I don't have to do any of this shit anymore. I'm not stopping taking pictures. I'm not talking about this election. I'm not even recognizing you as the president anymore. I'm free. You can stand there and take pictures, but I'm not. And I think that was like, <laughs> You know, her idea of, like, I'm free. I never wanted to do this. I never wanted to be with this man. If I blink twice, you know I'm trying to get out of here. But before they even got on the plane, I heard bits and pieces of Trump's little farewell speech. And Trump, he's just, whoo, he's a prideful man. He was like, you know, Biden's going to do well because he, I've set up the platform for him to do well. I have faith that the next four years will be great because me and my administration did everything to be great. We all know where, like, this China virus came from, or I'm sorry, coronavirus. That's what he was saying. Like, we all know where it came from. It's killed a lot of people, but we can't say that we didn't know where it came from. And I'm just like, how are you still spitting hate on your last few minutes of the job? Like, just shut up. Like... No one's really even thinking about you. We all just trying to make sure that you get on that plane and you get on your way, but you still want to use your time to speak evil, to speak like hatred amongst people. And I just don't know why. It's like you set up a platform. Like, sir, 
Biden can't do nothing wrong in comparison to what you ever did wrong. <laughs> I hate to say it, but you know, it can't get it can't get worse. But let me not on wood, but because it's just like Trump, it can't get worse than you. You set up what? <laughs> Sir, please let, let us review some things. Can we review what you've done? Because a lot of things that you've done that have been detrimental, Biden has, you know, decided that he's about to overwrite them. Um, so it's just like, Trump, please just get on your way. Like, get on your way. But before Trump decided to leave, I guess him and J-Lo decided to share some makeup. Because while J-Lo was singing, I was like, she looks orange as fuck. Did she get her foundation mixed up with Trump? Um, and to be honest with you, you guys... I don't even know how J-Lo was called in the list of people to sing. Now, I know we're trying to promote this whole world of unity and representation of all people, so I understand that she was there because she's Latino. But <sighs> J-Lo <laughs> is the perfect example of knowing the right people. I'm just going to let that sit there. She is the perfect example of knowing the right people. Because the girl can't sing. She cannot sing. Now, you will catch me singing, all my pride is all I have. Pride is what you have, baby girl, I'm what you have. Yes, you will catch me singing that. Or, um, R-U-L-E. Yes, you will catch me singing that. But it's not because she can sing. <laughs> she can't sing. She makes some good hits for Jenny from the block. Um, but, yeah, that's it. And another thing that annoys me about J-Lo I just want to know, like, when is her wardrobe going to grow up? She came outside with those sequins pants on, this white, this jewelry. I felt like I was in East Harlem ready for somebody's Kinsietta. I just, <laughs> I just don't know what it was. And then her voice, I was like, is she singing? I don't think she was singing until she said, let's get loud. And I'm like, what the fuck? What's about to happen? Like, are we about to get some fireworks? Because it caught me off guard. I was like, Jayla, what are you doing? What are you doing? And um, to be honest with you, I was like, they could have called her daughter because her daughter has a stronger voice than she does. Or they could have called Mark because I'm just like, J-Lo, you don't have the voice. Like, why did we say that we wanted her to come sing? Like, we could have had her come speak, you know, in Spanish a little bit, but we didn't have to ask her to sing. For, for damn sake, we could have called Selena Gomez or uh, Demi Lovato. Is Demi Lovato Spanish? I don't know. But we could have called somebody else. Not J-Lo. J-Lo can't sing. I, I just, I can't. I was just like, oh, this is too much for me. I was like, I don't know why she's here, but all right, all right. Now, we can't mention J-Lo singing without mentioning Lady Gaga. Now, Lady Gaga can sing. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you guys. She can sing. Anita Baker, my auntie, stands by her voice. So when I heard Anita Baker talking about how great her voice was, I decided to do like some YouTube searching a few years ago. And I was like, oh, Lady Gaga could really sing. But one thing about Lady Gaga, she's very much so for the theatrics. She's very much so like an actress, very much so drama or like um, plays and shit like that. Like she's all for like the bigger the bang, boom, 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 the better. So like when she came in... <laughs> Let's just start with the outfit. She had this big-ass golden bird. Maybe she took it off of the top of the little um, the flag. Because, you know, at the flags, they have the birds at the top. Maybe she took the bird off the flag. I don't know. The flagpole. But she had this big-ass bird on her chest looking like she was about to uh, uh, choose someone to tribute from Hunger Games. That's the vibes I got. Um, this big red-ass skirt. Um, her hair put up in, like, 
this little crown, but all I could focus on was the the bird. When I saw the bird, I said, oh, she's about to do some shit. So she begins to sing, and it was just like, just sing the song. But she couldn't sing the song normal. She had to be very theatrical. And I was just like, it was just a big flop. It was just a big flop. And like sometimes when I hear her people singing, like even the Star Spangled Banner, I'm like, we could have just played Whitney Houston over again. We could have just got the audio, plugged it up in the aux cord, and just played that over again. We didn't have to call these people to sing. And I also was kind of wondering, like, why we didn't get no black people to sing? But I guess we're trying to prove the point that black people have more to offer than singing. That's why we had, you know, only J-Lo and Lady Gaga and this other white country man singing. I was just like, I can't do it. This was like the part of the funeral of Aretha Franklin where we were just like, oh, yeah, this is not... Something about the culture isn't lining up in this moment. It reminded me of that. Like in those moments when like some of the white people came up to sing at Aretha Franklin's funeral and it just didn't go well with like the Jennifer Hudson's or Fantasia's or the Clark sisters. Yeah, that's what I felt that part of the program was. And it, it, just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't it. Um, but I think something funny that happened at the, elect, uh, at the inauguration is when people were like really talking about how Biden has literally been waiting his whole life for this. So Biden was like the youngest person um, during his time to ever be like put into Senate at like the age of 29. But now he's like the oldest president ever. And like the, the commentators were just like, oh, if he teaches you nothing else, he teaches you never to give up. And they kept mentioning how he started at 29 and now like he's about to be the oldest president ever. But I think it's also like a situation where like what I said earlier, what's for you is going to be for you. Biden has tried multiple times to be president before and it hasn't gone well. Or Biden has had this desire to be president and it hasn't just been his time. He's been like, you know, he was VP for Obama and it just wasn't his time. But it finally happened for him. Now, do I think it happened for him plus because he put Kamala on the ticket? Yes, I do. But it happened for him regardless. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, I think he's the example of like the underdogs. Like just, you know, just keep doing what you're going to do, keep doing it well, and then results will come. And I think that's a lesson there. Like do everything well and you will be rewarded in the end. The race is not given to the swift, neither yet the strong, but th to those that endure to the end. Mom, if you listen, those little Bible study days, you know, just came through. I just quoted that scripture. Now I can't tell you the book and the verse, but yeah, that's the scripture, okay? Um, but even in the, the, the idea of church, the benediction gave me very much so my apostolic roots. Um, I felt like I was in a black church. I felt my soul rumbling up. I was like, who is this black man? I was typing something, but then when I heard him praying, I was like, let me look up, because it really gave me the vibe of like a black church, like the organ should be playing in the background, and Black Panther, like when they were trying to like... Um, get the energy up before the fight scene. Yeah, it gave me that type of energy. <laughs> I was like, okay. And like when I get those um, reminders of like going to church as a child, I always feel like the need to call my grandmother. Or I always feel the need to like play some gospel music, like some Carlton Pearson um, <laughs> in the background. But yeah, the benediction was good. I think overall the inauguration was like, it was, it was great. But I'm gonna get to the greatest part of the inauguration in a second. But before we get there, we got to talk about Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Bernie Sanders, he came there 
as if like he was just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm trying to stay alive. I'm not doing y'all with these nice little pea coats. I need my warm coat. I need my gloves. I probably have on um, hand warmers underneath these gloves. And I don't blame him. Because one thing I can say about the inauguration, I was like, all of these little past presidents and first ladies and VPs are acting as if like corona doesn't exist. But then I was also like, they probably already got the vaccine. They probably already got, you know, the pills so they can't get sick. Because I was like, they are really close to each other with masks off, hugging each other. I was like, is it still not a um, pandemic? Are y'all still not telling us to social distance? Did I miss something? Because I thought we were still supposed to be six feet. And none of them were six feet away. Because God knows we know that... Um, Bush is going to find Auntie Michelle. Bush, and I love that little relationship. Bush found Auntie Michelle, and he was all up underneath her. Bill Clinton, he was in between naps. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's always looking like he's napping at events. But Bernie was just sitting there with his legs crossed, like, I'm here, I'm here to do my business, and once it's over, I'm going home. Like, I have nothing left to give to you. I have nothing more. This is, you told me I had to be here. Now I'm here, and um, that's it. I'm not going to do anything more or anything less. And, like, people was, like, making it seem like he was mad or, like, he was just removing himself. But I think, in general, that's the seat they gave him. It's a pandemic. He is older than 60. So, yeah, he should have—he was modeling what all the other political figures should have been doing. Now, would I have dressed a little better for— the inauguration, yes, I would. But you know one thing about it? White people have that type of luxury. White people can come showed up in a, a paper bag and be all right. But don't let, you know, us do it. But, yeah, he just looked like he wanted to be warmed. He looked like he was still cold. He's old. Um, and, you know, that little little seat didn't look that great. <laughs> it was a folding chair. Like the ones that your grandmother keeps in her basement to pull out when the adults don't have no more kids, um, seats for the kids. <laughs> yeah, he was probably over it. I would have been over it, too. Because to be honest with you, I would have just watched this from home. Especially if I wasn't like a past president or something. I would have watched it from home because it's just too much. I can't kill myself. Mm -mm. I can't kill myself, especially for another white man. But whatever. The best part of the inauguration for me was the fashion. <laughs> Y'all better put some respect on sneakers. Y'all better start telling me that I could wear sneakers to work because, you know, people be trying to restrict us saying, oh, that's not professional. But what is even professional? Because when I was watching the inauguration and I saw that gray Dior one in the background, I didn't even see the body. I was like, oh, that's a black man. <laughs> I knew for myself, I was like, that's a black man. And it ended up being um, Kamala's I guess her niece's husband, so I don't know if that makes him like her nephew-in-law. I don't even know if that's a real thing, but it was her niece's husband. And I was just like, you better come through with the Dior ones because I can't afford them, <laughs> but they look nice. And I was like, and he matched it well with his little suit. And I was like, yes, black people come through, even the men. I was like, yes, 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 normalize sneakers. And if you are going to wear sneakers, know that sneakers are luxury items also. And those sneakers are everything. He looked well. Um, we can't talk about fashion without talking about Michelle. I talked about her earlier, earlier, but that plum was everything. She had on a nice little, you know, high-rise um, pants with the matching coat and the gold belt. And, you know, the hair. I already mentioned the hair. I was like, oh, she came together. And sometimes I wonder if, like, Obama knows that, like, he's, like, the plus one for Michelle. Because Michelle just be killing it on her own. And what I love about Obama, he's so confident and he, he sees Michelle as like a reflection of him that he doesn't even seem to like be insecure or bothered by how well she looks. Like he just be there. Michelle looked great. I think she was like one of the best looking people that not one of the best, the best looking. Um, I feel as though Kamala looked good, you know. 
I love that she was wearing like these young designers. Um, she had on a black designer the day before, uh, Pyre Moss, um, and the uh, the camel color coat. I was like, yes. Um, and I like that she's on that. And I said that in my last episode, I was like, I really want to know if she's going to be like supporting these up and coming designers or like black designers. And she looks really well. I'm very interested to see if Kamala is going to start wearing bundles similar to Michelle throughout her time in the White House. I'm also interested in just seeing how her look develops over, uh, over time. Also, if you didn't know, Vogue decided to sell a limited amount of copies of the cover that she approved. <laughs> <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Um, so that's a good win. Um, but yeah, they should just do right from the beginning. But like, I'm really interested to see how Kamala's look is going to develop over time. Now, let's not forget Biden's grandchildren. The granddaughters had on the very much so. The one that was in the camel, I was like, yes, you better come through even with the camel mask. Um, but the granddaughter that had on the... Um, purple ones. I was like, yes, be comfortable. Because I just can't imagine all these people walking all this time with heels on and being uncomfortable. Because let me tell you, uh, First Lady Biden, she looked tired from just walking up and down the steps. So I just can't imagine what her feet were doing by the end of the day. I would have had on a pair of sneakers or a pair of wedge shoes, some type of support, not no single heel. But yeah, they look good. Um, I think we cannot mention uh, like children without mentioning Kamala's like great nieces and the uh, faux leopard coats. So if you're a black woman, you had one of those coats growing up. I remember I had two. I had one very similar to what the little girls had on when I was younger, like the fur, the big ones with the buttons. But then I also had like a one like a. Um, Faux leather with the uh, leopard or cheetah print inside the hood with the the um, with the hood with with the little what is it called the reef or the brim whatever you can see it from the inside out. I used to love that coat, and then one day I wrote accidentally on the coat with a pen, but I still wore it. I couldn't get the pen out. But I think it's like it's like a historic tradition in the black community. If you're young, you're gonna have some type of leopard or cheetah print. Oh, it's just a, it's a, it's a, you know, rite of passage. Like you're gonna have one, and they're just so cute. They're so cute, and they had on their little Doc Martens. I was like, yes, oh, they're so cute. But that, I looked into it a little deeper. I think that whole little family is a whole family of fashionistas. So I'm interested in seeing them um, as time goes throughout the presidency. So we're getting towards like the end of my episode, and I just want to know if the black people are you listening? Black people, are you listening? One thing that I took away from this election is that there were a small group of people that were very disappointed in us finding joy in the inauguration or finding joy in the midst of the chaos in the world. Now, I found joy. I love the way that, you know, Michelle looks. You saw, well, you heard all the things I just said that I enjoyed about the inauguration. But do not let this joy and this love and this happiness ever make you think that I'm oblivious to like the state of the world or oblivious what the government has done to people that look like me. I can still find joy in the midst of tragedy. Um, and I think that's just how black people are. We have always found joy. And I think it's almost as a way of safety, of protecting ourselves, of keeping ourselves warm and not really turning cold. It's because we're going to find joy. And what y'all have to stop doing is thinking that like we can't be wise and joyful. We can't be aware and joyful. Like it, You can be multiple things at one time. 
I can still be thinking that like the government has failed us this this you know year last year and still be joyful in the moment of like the historic event that it was of having the first ever black VP. Like I can still find joy in like you know how people were looking or how people were celebrated at this event. What y'all can't do is continue to think that like how people show emotions is like an indicator of how they feel about things. Like, no, like similar, let me tell y'all what I won't ever forgive y'all for. June 2nd, 2020. Now, the reason I remember this day is because I'm born on June 2nd. June 2nd was the day where everyone wanted to put black boxes all over Instagram. Now, let me tell you, I haven't heard from some of y'all since y'all put those black boxes on Instagram. And I remember, I was called out because I didn't make um, any posts about Brianna. And no one knew that I had like made donations. Um, and I'm not saying that like donations are everything, but I had made donations. And I was still enjoying my life. I went out of town for my birthday. I had a good time. And, I, and people were like, oh, how can you be doing this when the world's like that? Because I have to keep myself alive. People are going to get killed and die every day by the hands of the government. But one thing I'm not going to do is let not only let you let white people know that I know that they think I'm disposable and then also let them know that they have stolen my joy. I'm going to find joy. And what I took away from June 2nd, I was just like, all of these people are posting all these black boxes and it's not doing a damn thing for a damn thing. You can still be politically aware and still be happy. You can still acknowledge that there's tragedy and famine in the world, but still decide to find peace and happiness amongst your peers. It's not an indicator of how dedicated you are to the cause. If anything, if you are really dedicated to a cause, you need to be finding some moments of joy and peace because you can go insane with only dealing with such heavy things. So y'all got to stop this whole idea of judging people just because they find they find peace and happiness in small, you know, small pieces in the bigger, uh, the bigger scope of things. You just can't be like that. And I just feel like sometimes black people for real, y'all be like the police, like, always created new laws and new rules for what other black people can do. And I'm just like, just chill the fuck out and be you. Worry about yourself. If you don't want to be happy today, don't be happy, but don't impact my joy. You know what Tabitha Brown says? What did she say? Um, go out and be happy. And if you can't be happy, don't destroy anybody else's happiness. Can we put that on a bumper sticker? Can we put that at the end of our emails and the signature? Because God damn, y'all be doing too much. On a lighter note, <laughs> guess what happened, y'all? A firm is a new, it's not new, but I just found out that I can use a firm for GOAT. And if you don't know what GOAT is, GOAT is a reselling sneaker wardrobe website. So a firm is like layaway. Now, y'all know when we were growing up, you were teased if you had to put things on layaway. But now look at us all using layaway through a firm, afterpay, um, quad pay, all the different ones. But what I can say is I love this new way of buying and purchasing things. Because I'm like, you telling me I can buy something for $100 and I can split into four payments of 25 Yes. Even if I have $100, I'm still going to do the four payments of installments of 25 Judge your mama. Don't judge me. Don't count my money either because that's going to be a mistake. But yeah, I love this whole new Affirm and this new installment pay that we have in the world. I think a lot of businesses has hopped on it because, you know, they were losing money because people couldn't really afford to shop the way that they used to shop. But I need more businesses to get on it. Zara, what you waiting for? Shit. Um, 
But yeah, so um, I'm about to have a field day on the little sneakers with GOAT because they offer a firm. I'm not going to have a field day in the sense of like I'm buying too much and not paying. I'm going to, you know, of course, pay my installments. But it is a great way for you to get shoes at a, you know, stable cost when they're at a low price and be able to get them and still pay for them over time. The only thing with a firm is that they're like a credit card, so they add interest. Things like Afterpay and QuadPay don't add interest. You just have to pay them on the pay dates. But yeah, I think it's a new way of shopping. I think if you haven't heard of it, I don't know where you've been, but if you haven't looked it up, look it up. You can pay for things over time. You can also, you know, get approved for it without having to get a real credit card or a hard inquiry on your credit. So yeah, y'all can laugh at me. You can laugh at people using it or even think about it as layaway. But yeah, I'm going to take my installment pays. That's something I think black people should know. Um, and lastly... Black people, you should also know that even though I just said that we should celebrate joy, we should know that the the task and the job of, you know, holding Biden accountable has not stopped. It is not now a situation that since we have in the White House, we can't still push for the things we were pushing for when he was running. Biden has a responsibility to the American people. And despite what many people think, um, the American people are black, too. So yes, continue to, you know, push on your state representatives, continue to vote in your local elections because Biden and, you know, government officials still have a responsibility. Yes, we're happy and we enjoyed the inauguration, but y'all got to get to work. <laughs> After all of this, the first day of work begins. And yeah, y'all still owe a lot of us a lot of things for the past. I don't care about what you're doing for the future, but you cannot move in the future without recognizing the past. Now, the first thing Biden needs to, you know, recognize is those student loans. Come on, sir. Do you need me to send it in the mail? Can I do it online? Do you need me to stand in line? Because if I need to stand in line, I'm there. Get rid of these student loans. I don't sleep bad with them, but God knows it would feel better if I didn't have them at all. <laughs> also, that second stimulus. Um, some people really do need it. And this is what I'm going to say about stimulus, right? We all joke about needing our stimulus and waiting for it. But this is what I'm gonna say. Thank God that I have not missed a paycheck. I have not missed a meal. I have not missed the rent during this time of a pandemic. And it's only a blessing. And if you don't know that this pandemic, um, if you don't know, I'm a firm believer in Jesus. So um, Jesus will be mentioned a lot. It's only a blessing. It's only because of God's protection and, you know, my grandmother's prayers, <laughs> the prayers of the righteous, that I haven't been one of those people that have lost a job or been, like, kicked out of their homes. And in that type of reflection, I think about the people that have been exposed to those type of, like, tragedies and losses. And I think sometimes, like, yeah, we're laughing and saying that, oh, we haven't gotten it because we still have money to survive. But I think about the people that really need this money because, like, it's the difference between, like, you know, them having somewhere to live and them not having somewhere to live. Them having food to feed their children or just, you know, food to feed themselves included. So... I am interested to see if they are going to offer a bigger stimulus um, under Biden because I just don't think $1,200 or $600 is um, enough when people have lost their jobs or people don't have the money that they used to. I think other countries have shown us what America can do, and I just don't know why America won't do it. Other than the fact that they're, you know, greedy and, you know, trying to keep money for themselves. But people are really out here struggling. And I, um, I just hope that Biden and his administration supports these people and get them what they need. 
because no one should be suffering or no one should have to suffer because of something like COVID-19. It's been a shit show, but like we can do better and we can help people out. So I'm hoping that happens. Um, So yeah, that's all I have this episode, you guys. As always, thank you for listening. Um, Subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. And also follow me on Run That Ish Back. Thank you.